Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to 101 Part-Time Jobs Podcast. It's a pleasure to welcome Faris from The Horrors on today's episode, talking about his life in music. 
what he's got up to between projects, between records, between tours, discussing his process, his thinking behind what he does, and a look at his earlier life hanging out in Camden, living in South End, and the start of the band. The Horrors have a new EP out called Lout. It's got three tracks on it. This is Whiplash. You can buy it and you can listen to it everywhere. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I've got a dozen copies left of the book that I announced last week. 101 Part-Time Jobs, Conversations with Working Musicians. It's a 35-page illustrated hardback celebrating 101 episodes of this podcast with anecdotes from Thurston Moore, Alicia Bognano from Bully, Izzy B. Phillips from Black Honey, Brian Devendorf from The National, Kevin Morby, Tim Burgess, and a whole lot more. To have a look at that and purchase a copy, you can head to 101parttimejobs.com. East London's Signature Brew have been brewing beers with bands since 2011. They've made beers with Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, Sports Team, Craig Finn and a whole bunch of others. If you go onto their website signaturebrew.co.uk and make an order to get beers delivered directly to your doorstep, you can use the voucher code 101podcast at checkout to get 10% off your order. All right, cheers for listening. Here's Faris from The Horrors. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you know when the horror started, there, there's always going to be a kind of a scene, quote unquote, or a circle of friends, or a club night, or a, a promoter that you know you, you you circle around. And I wonder, you know, that's going to have such a that's going to play such a big part when you start a project, when you start a band. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something that maybe people it's it's a crucial part of starting a project. And I wasn't aware of that at the time. But definitely looking back, I think it's um, well, because we, we had a couple. I mean, we had Reese ran a club in Southend called Junk, which was a mm. big thing for us. I mean, so we sort of had that, and they played loads of music you wouldn't hear in London, like loads of kind of random post-punk records, like Gina X or like James Chance and the Contortions and stuff, like stuff you wouldn't hear on like an indie club dance floor, you know. And it was definitely a big part of. Because, I mean, you know, I guess we sort of, in the beginning, we were sort of like, not not even really, I mean, we started off wanting to be a garage band, but then Josh is more of like a, you know, he's into making pedals and uh, quite a sort of unique player. And it was sort of like, ended up having that no wave element that maybe made it, you know, not just like straight ahead garage rock. Uh, but yeah, I think the junk thing, definitely was a big thing and then and tom and i were doing club nights in london and that's where the horrors played our first gig do you think that made you more open to you know playing for other people or you know signing to different record labels in years down the line you know that kind of openness we we didn't even like we didn't know that was a thing i mean we we just wanted a seven inch you know i mean it's like it's nothing it's literally like you start a band and i'd imagine it's like this for a lot of people you start a band you're in a room and it's exciting with your friends and you're making sounds and it's like wow you know we've got these chords together and you're not questioning whether you sound like someone else or like whether it sounds it just in that room it sounds great and maybe it's great or maybe it's rubbish but in that room to you it sounds great and then you don't have the doubt or like you're too naive to like question whether you need to which is great and i think that i think the best stuff in some ways is created when people are naive and when they're not when they're not thinking about whether something has like is like a viable option for life or like uh you know they're just doing these things because they're exciting in the moment and that's how all creative things should be done it's it's 
in it, that in itself is a really hard discipline to hold on to, you know? It's something I've tried to hold on to, definitely. When I first heard Lout, I was like, wow. Yeah. A lot of guts about it. The song whose name shall never be spoken. Um, that, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, uh, we, we had... That, that one was written by Reese, and I'm excited that it's finally out. Did the horrors ever have a conversation about whether you're going to listen to what people are writing about you was that ever something that you know you discussed with the others oh we never i don't i I don't think we ever had that conversation i I mean i think i think it's i think it's difficult to not feel there's when you sign to a major label there's different kind of there's a different list of expectations Hmm. um which you can't really avoid unless unless you're I don't know. I think eventually it ends up getting... Because I was going to say, if you're Billie Eilish, whatever, and you've made... You and your brother have made a record in your bedroom and people love it for what it is, then you have enough power over your creative control to sort of like say, you know, fuck you, we're doing it this way, mm. which is great. Um, but for most people on a major label, you know, and I think to some extent, the horrors kind of were able to carry on doing what we wanted to do. Um because it feel it felt like people liked us for for what we were rather than maybe what we what a major label version of us would have been absolutely know? i agree so so in that sense we're lucky um but then again you know on the second album we, you know we did all these songs for primary colors and and the label didn't like them so we so we had to we were dropped and we went to xl i think like a couple of weeks later <laughs> So, you know, two weeks of uncertainty followed by a new record deal. Wow. Um, yeah. And you used I the mean, same, those, those are the same recordings. You didn't, you didn't re-record or? Oh, they, well, they're demos, but they, I mean, they sound pretty much exactly the same. Uh, I think, I think being in a band is, I think, I think it's constantly, I think it's in constant state of flux. I think you can't really, you can't worry too much about whether, people are listening to your records this year you know you drive yourself mad wouldn't you well definitely and i mean obviously like people you know everyone knows that comparing yourself to others is like the worst thing you can do especially with something creative but i mean i think it's just it constantly fluctuates and i think it's uh i don't know you just it sounds like a fucking cliche but i think you just have to keep your mind on what you're doing uh, rather than the effects of what that might be how have you dealt with the kind of anxiety and that kind of shit that that would induce? Uh, well, I mean, it depends in what sense. I mean, do you find yourself talking about it and feeling better about it after that? Or do you try and just completely just block it out? Maybe, maybe you'll fall into the trappings of comparing yourself to someone, for example. I feel like maybe there's a point that I would have done that when I didn't know any better. Um, and I just... I think I just realized what I love about the whole thing and what I don't. And I concentrate on the things that I love doing. I Everyone's going to have know, a different journey with that, aren't they? You definitely. Know, some people might take a decade to realize that. Well, definitely. But I also think that if you are... So there was a period of time where I was in the tabloids and I absolutely hated it, really hated it. It drove me paranoid. I mean, like it was like, you know, just people outside the door and stuff. Um, and I think in that situation, it's easier to forget about what's important. I think it's easier to forget about what the, 
while you're there mm. you know um i think with the horrors maybe it's i think there's definitely been moments that if i'd been a solo artist i think i probably could have gone further away from what i was doing but i think because because the five of us sort of like have each have our own ideas for what we want to do within the band it's almost like when someone checks out for a few months it kind of you can sort of get carried through by the others <laughs> and you've you know you've done so much and you're an all-round creative you know you're you're like an artist in kind of all sense of the word including like producing records making artwork i mean are those kinds of things you know to doing different things does that help you kind of focus or you know sort of see yourself out for how you want to see yourself i don't know if i have a choice i don't know if it's um because the problem with with all this stuff is it's like you know you spend your whole process not thinking about it and not talking about it and, and then it's almost like when when you ask me these questions i'm sort of like having to think about what i think about them and yeah uh, whereas the rest of the time it's kind of intuitive like all, all i really know is that when I'm left in a room with some means of making something, you know, like that's kind of what I naturally go towards, you know, like making things yeah. and, and, you know, whether they're good or not kind of isn't really the point. It's sort of just like, that's just a byproduct of, of being me. And I think that probably is the case with, with all of the rest of the horrors and probably most creative people. I don't know. Do you, because you know, you're, there's that kind of structure that you know you've built for yourself yeah i don't know if i'd really call it a structure it's more like an anti-structure <laughs> i guess there's a structure in in that sense right in the like you know you're sort of just completely completely chaotic chaotic and fucked yeah <laughs> do you have do you have discipline in being completely fucked and chaotic uh, well i'm definitely um i'm definitely dedicated to to the practice um whether that's a good thing or not i don't know i think uh I go through periods. I think it's just, I don't know if the, you know, I would love it if I'd love it if it was more predictable. Um, but the reality is I will have, you know, like three months of hardcore productivity. And then I could have another period of time where nothing can get done. But, you know, those peaks and troughs are sort of, I've come to learn how to navigate them better. And to make make the most of the good time, you know, like the uh, the the time that where things are working, because right. you know, it's like when I was a kid, I expected like I expected myself to be on all the time and like you know be made, doing something every single day, and 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 yeah, and I think it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily give you the best results. It just so it, it can become a it can become almost like that you're torturing yourself or something. Yeah, I can I can see that. I mean, do you kind of have to make sure you're in a, a certain right place, right? Sorry, the right place. If you're when you get that good feeling about creating. Well, no, it's more like no. I th yes and no. I think just to be clear, I think <laughs> it's um, I think it's more like you figure out what you can do at any given moment. You know, and I, there's always like practical stuff you can do, but when it comes to like the seeds of ideas. I feel like those those are the things you have no control over sometimes. And you can sort of like put the conditions in place so that those things are more likely to happen. It's just, you know, I don't know. Any creative job I think is weird because 
you're almost like you're fishing and like you're chucking out or you're like planting seeds you know you're like chucking out all these things and and it does work you know it's like you do all these you do all this kind of groundwork and then you'll notice other opportunities start to happen and they lead somewhere else or you can do nothing and you go nowhere but it's just you can't quantify it when it comes to creative stuff you know unless you're like working for an ad agency or something um mm -hmm. which i don't know maybe that would be fun i'd quite like to have my own office <laughs> Someone said something to me, they were traveling and they thought if they stayed at one, if they, if they went down one road and you, you wonder if the other road was that, was that would actually kind of bring more fun or joy or friendship or whatever. Yeah, that stuff can definitely drive you insane. That for me is like, that's a big one for me, the, uh, the agony of choice, mm. <laughs> because it's like, there is no, there is no right answer, but I think you have to sort of, well, okay, for me, the way that I've the way that I've sort of come to think about it is I have to trust my ability to react to things mm -hmm. as they happen. And mm -hmm. my skill is not really in, my skill is not really in coming up with an initial thought. It's more, I suppose what I feel like I'm better at is reacting, reacting to things as they happen, like instinctively. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I do my best work when, when that's the case. So I don't worry too much about planning. As an artist, you're always going to be forced to make decisions almost, you know, daily. I mean, I know you, know, you just said there that, you know, yeah. instinctive in, you know, in, intuition is. It's just the thing that I'm, it's the thing that I naturally lean towards. It's the approach that naturally suits me. And for some people, it's the exact opposite. They need, they need planning, you know, and right. it's, it's kind of, it's confusing because I, I definitely am quite a detail oriented person, but then. I just can't do any of the detail beforehand. <laughs> I sort of just have to like build on what happens and then keep things intuitive and then sort of, you know, I guess use some of the skills that I've learned to try and turn that into something that works. I feel like I'm not being very clear with you and I'm sorry, but this is how I talk. No, I, I completely understand because sometimes I do these episodes, Faris, and I'm like, what the fuck was my idea again? <laughs> like, what am I trying to do here? But I guess it's 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 just these conversations that maybe you wouldn't talk about in in a magazine or such, you know, as part of a press campaign. I'm more interested in the kind of you know the the day to day real life aspects of it, I suppose. Yeah, you know, the ability to keep on living and surviving mm. in order to do that in instinctive part is that something that you've spent much time thinking about? Yeah, I mean, I think especially the last year, uh, you know, I think anyone has. And I honestly, I don't, there must be so many people who, who haven't been able to, you know, which is kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of crushing because it's like, you know, it feels as if, it feels as if the, I mean, the system is like, the system is in urgent need of change. And the people who are holding the power to to make that change clinging on for as long as possible so who do you think those people are i mean i think i'm talking more about people like the the gatekeepers like spotify but i think it's mm -hmm. um you know it's just it, it's it's a really it's, spotify is a really great service and i think that they just have to pay the artists more fairly because if it's going to be unsustainable for everyone otherwise 
But you know, that's just, I mean, this is the thing though. I, I, cause I never, I never talk about this stuff. And one of the reasons for that is I think it's just, it's a natural evolution of a mechanism that is changing all the time. And even in between, you know, between since I started a band, the music industry has changed a lot. Um, you know, when we began, all the A&R guys were like, you know, using label expenses to pay for everything. And you go out for like dinners and like, you know, and uh, they'd get cabs everywhere and they would charge it back to the label, probably charge it back to us, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's like, and and, and, and that's changed and, you know, and, and then it'll change again. And, and I think in the end, we're sort of going towards a, place where the artist does have more power and then i guess once that solidifies a bit more then then the artist will have more control over how to like monetize that you know so mm -hmm. i think i don't know I, I just think it's things things will you know will will work themselves out gradually and it's just a bit of a sort of difficult in between time at the moment that's quite a positive outlook on it all well yeah i am known for my sunny disposition so um <laughs> i think that is in keeping with that whole thing have you learned over that you know going to those uh meetings and being times where you've been really looked after did you kind of know even throughout then that actually you know the, your future is in your own hands i just i've never been careerist about it i've never been like i've never been smart enough to be like you know look at things in a kind of with a cold clinical eye and be like, if I do this, this happens. I just, my brain doesn't work like that. And I've given up trying to make it, you know, it's like, I, that's not the kind of, I, I'm not, I'm not manipulative. I'm not good at like, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I just, my strengths lie elsewhere. <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah. I never, you know, when I was, I never thought about it when I, you know, I never thought about what would be a good career move or like how things should work or whatever. Um, I just, uh, I just like doing things and, and, um, and I know that that's what I absolutely have to, how I absolutely have to live. Cause when I'm not making things, then I just, uh, I don't feel like myself, you know, how have you dealt with outside forces? Cause of course, growing up, you're going to be booking your own shows, doing your own admin. And then at some point, a few years down the line, it's going to make sense to have a manager or a team around you. But of course, that's going to bring its own complications, perhaps conflicts of interest. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not, although sometimes it feels like it, we're not all cogs in machines and it is a people business, you know, and it's like, you know, there's, although it's inefficient, there's so much that comes from relationships and, and knowing people and, um, and and networking as well you know that's mm -hmm. why why um why so many musicians are in london in the end because just being there gives you extra opportunities you know whether you notice it or not right um i just i don't know i i definitely know the difference between a good and a bad manager and i've experienced both um and it it's it's a huge thing it's a huge thing and it's a and it's sometimes it's quite a hard thing to like to 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 quantify or whatever um but you definitely know when you have a bad manager i always the uh, horrors have been lucky in that we've had quite an old school but 
you know, quite a reliable merger who is being dragged into the 21st century as we speak. <laughs> is that, does that make it easier for like the financial point of view for you? Well, it makes trust easier. Right. I think, um, I don't know. I think, I think when it comes to actually making money, I think that's kind of been dependent on us. I don't know. It's difficult because to be honest, I think I'd probably make more money if I just did art the whole time. Really? Yeah, probably. You know, I fell into music very, like very much just fell into it by accident and whether I have a right to be here or not is debatable, but art I've done my whole life. Um, and that was always where my life was headed. So, but I mean, it was, you know, I just think, you know, I'm, I'm talking about like visual arts because, uh, mm, you know, yeah. I think uh, that that's just been my whole, I mean, I've got sketchbooks from when I was three, you know, it's like, uh, that's just always been the thing. And music, I thought, was was a thing for other people. I thought it was like a thing that you had to be proficient and and um, technical. You know, before I before I heard before I heard things like you know Mars and DNA and like all those late seventies, early eighties New York bands where they're sort of like making music with the means available to them. You know, before you hear that stuff, you think, okay, you've got to be like emerson lake and palmer or yes or something and you know and in the end fucking hell it's the last thing i want to listen to well, not the last thing not the last thing but it's down it's down there i think it's uh i don't know i just think with you know with music that's how things should happen you know they mm -hmm. should happen without you questioning them and they should happen almost by accident or it feels like they're by accident and then whether you stick at it or not is is i guess the true answer of whether you should be there with this new EP, was it being planned a couple of years ago? I mean, how? Well, yeah, I mean, this one's a bit weird because it's been ready for, musically, it's been ready for about a year. Um, but I don't know. It's funny because you sort of, I feel like, I feel like, I can't, I can't say for sure, but I feel like the horrors experience of being in a band maybe is quite different to a lot of other bands in the sense of we've never had, never had any kind of formula and or never been capable of having a formula because mm. you know things are quite sort of like you know and I mean it's not entirely my fault but it's um part of it I think you know like Reese is an intuitive player as well and like you know Josh despite all his um insane electronics building capabilities is quite intuitive and we learned to play together through being in a band so mm. I don't think, I think it's always going to be whenever there's a period of time where we have a chance to explore sounds and create stuff, I think it's always going to be a little different what comes out at the end of it. So I think mm. it's always going to evolve a bit. Um, and then, but then, you know, to add to that, the musical landscape changes all the time. And sometimes, you know sometimes what you're making doesn't fit with what people want to listen to as well you know there's that, that element to it so it's sort of i guess that's kind of going back to my point about how things fluctuate and how it's not something not necessarily a reason to freak out i think it's uh yeah i think there's no point sort of like sitting down and planning what your next record's going to sound like yeah in my, in my opinion has your relationships within the in, within the band i mean you know being a band this long um i mean you obviously had had time away has that been like a positive force yeah i mean i think 
to be honest, I think to go 15 years of being in a band and not completely despise each other, I think is some sort of achievement. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it happens very often. <laughs> you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, lucky. Are you able to look back and see some of the, uh, you know, some of the harder times, some of the best times? And, you know, do you remember, are they more prominent in your mind than others? Yeah, I mean, the time I went on Soccer AM and um, and scored yeah. the goal was, without <laughs> a doubt, the highlight of my musical career. And I'm not Brilliant. joking. That made me happier than any anything else I've ever done. I'm not. I'm not exaggerating. No, I know. I'm laughing because I'm happy. It makes me very I'm, happy. I'm happy that you're happy. I'm also happy. <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, seriously. The, yeah, the best because the crowd they would they didn't they didn't like me. I like Neville Southall though. He's a very nice man. It was a wonderful moment. You know what was that day like? Do you remember getting into the studio? It's really and... strange. It was really strange because. Every time the cameras went off, it was like, who let this fucking psycho in the room? They were like, they were just, they went so cold. They was like someone had turned really? off. Yeah. Like someone had turned off their like human chips or something. Like <laughs> it was really strange. Apart from Neville Southall, who, you know, as a legend of the game, maybe mm. would have more, I don't know, could maybe keep a little more insular and you would understand it. But. Is that fair? I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. He was cool. He was like a sort of granddad figure. And like when I scored, he was like, great strike. You know, it's like just one of those like encouraging people, you know, but then the rest, it was really strange. Can you sort of still like taste that pressure, you know, coming up to kick it, coming up to boot it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I had to do it after a whole team had sort of like tried and missed. The, the footwear was was oh. pretty uh you got to do things right or not at all haven't you it's, its own thing <laughs> yeah no you got to do it properly <laughs> was there you know talk, you mentioned earlier about being in the tabloids and you know when that ended was that like a big relief certain when certain aspects of it ended it was a big relief mm. i remember the last car that was camped outside my house and i was living in this council block and there was this Land Rover. It was like four in the afternoon, a grey English day. And these two weird people came out of like, they were always, it's strange. The people that in my, I mean, and I, I had to deal with it to such a small degree compared to like, I don't even know how someone who gets it every day would feel. But um, yeah, I remember looking out my window and, and seeing these two people with notebooks getting out of a Land Rover. And they were just, to me, they were just like these sort of gray figures mm. and like weird, like weird, like, I don't know, like weird, like, like, uh, underworld creatures. And, and, the, and they, and they, they sat outside my door for the rest of the afternoon. Um, and I just remember hiding in my house. They couldn't, because I lived in such a grim block, they couldn't find the flat and they couldn't yeah. figure out a way in, but they just sat there. And I don't know what they wanted. I mean, it was like, yeah, I don't know. It was it was really strange, and I'm really glad that I don't have to deal with that. Did it? Did that take you away from what you wanted to do? You know, you're yeah. Up. I stopped going out. Wow. I mean, I, I stopped uh, stopped going out completely, um, and yeah, I just made. I mean, this actually thinking about it, this was around. It was around this bit was around the time that I did Cat Size, um, or just before. And I suppose what ended up happening was a lot of the demos 
um, I would write a lot at home. I would sit at home a lot and write, and um, and some of that stuff became what it, it, it. A lot of the thoughts that went on then ended up going towards cat size, I guess. Do you think that whole period has, like, you know, did that kind of change the way you saw the press? And I'm including, like, you know, the rock press. Are you including yourself in that? Uh, yeah, of course I am. Okay. I think I suppose. Well, yeah, I did. It definitely did. I mean, it, but not. Not in the sense that I was like, I see the big picture now. It was more like, mm. uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't like this and uh, I need to change the situation. So I did that by withdrawing from people, which, you know, I'm sure there were other ways that could have been dealt with. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I think people are quite um, not being able to support yourself from your music as failure with with failure. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. um, and and really, when I think about the records that I love listening to, there is no way, there's no way that those people are supporting themselves with music. Mm -hmm. You know, these yeah. are like underground records that people have made in their basements or garages for fun, and uh, you know, and, and uh, yeah, they're not. They, they, they should, there should be a way that they can support themselves and get to make all this great stuff. But on the other hand, you know, sometimes I think, does this record only sound good because the person didn't have the money to make it sound terrible? Mm -hmm. You know? Do you know, mm -hmm. what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It's like sometimes... Yeah, Nick Drake like, is that for me. I mean, Nick Drake records sound well, amazing. Def well, yeah. I mean, no, I love Nick Drake, but I think, and I, I get what you're saying. It's like, you know, he had to kind of... Um, you know, he had to make, he had to pull things together and sort of, but then he always had the weird chords and stuff. It's hard to mm. say. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's plenty of accidentally great records that had the person been totally supported by their art, they would have made very differently. And I think there's definitely, there's, there's, you can get a lot out of having limitations. You know, you can, you can make it work for you. And I think sometimes, I mean, for me, again, it's like, because I like to work intuitively, I find I'm more creative when I have restrictions. Did you have many jobs, part-time jobs when you moved to London or, or, or in Southend? Well, I, I mean, I had, I had a couple, um, the, which were quite funny. Um, I mean, I, you know, we, we were 18 when we started, so I didn't have much time to find gainful employment. But Josh and I did work as computer games testers for a little bit. And I got fired after five days because I fell asleep in, in one of the health and safety lectures. Um, and that is brilliant. It's, well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty <laughs> useless. I, uh, I mean, my friend didn't actually pass the interview, so he was not quite as bad as me. Uh, wait, he was, I mean, worse, but he, he, we never found out. But yeah, Josh did it for like three months. He was working on some Harry Potter game, whatever, like trying to break it. That was the job. That's like a teenager's dream. Jack, I know. Well, it? you would think so. You would think so. But the reality was not what what it appeared. 
Um, Go out the uh, yeah. night before? Well, I guess. I, no, did I? I can't remember. They thought I was on drugs, which I wasn't. I was too young to be on drugs. Um, but I left. And then oh, I got fired. Um, and Josh didn't. And then um, after that, I worked at uh, this, like, or before that, I worked at this, like, 60s like clothing shop in Camden called um, Velvet Illusion which mm. is sort of the scene that Tom and I fell into when 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 school ended what year was that it was before the cyber dog robots Camden was the same I mean but I mean it's different no it's different the vintage stuff was a lot better and like it was more stalls and like there was no horrible like vans shops or something but um what was cool or not cool at all what was funny was that there was so there was these two structures covered by tarpaulin that were there for months and everyone was wondering what could they be what could they be and then they finally revealed them and it was these two huge gleaming silver cyber dog robots like the most <laughs> unspeakable things you could ever see and it was just i loved the fact that people were waiting with suspense for so long and it's you know it's the kind of thing i would do if i had a shop i think it seems, you know, maybe it's probably like um, looking back with rosy glasses, isn't it? But, you know, there, there was like a time for Camden. You know, was, was that in that time? Definitely. It felt like there was a time where it was exciting and then, and then it felt like there was a time where it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, part of that's being a kid as well. Totally. Totally. You know, because like back then also it's like you, you would go on message boards or forums and you'd find out about some random little gig that was happening in a pub. And because you didn't live in that city, it felt like... You were discovering, you know, another hidden door, you know, mm. um, and mm. yeah, I think it's uh, that's what I don't know. That's what makes finding hidden doors is what makes life fun. I mean, where were you living at that time? Had you you'd moved to London at that point? No, this was. I mean, this was like just before I moved to London. I lived in in rugby with uh, with my family, and then right, you know, the, I was seventeen when I left, and then I, I I moved to London to go to art school. And yeah, and sort of went into this kind of 60s scene where Tom and I were the youngest people there. So it's a bit like watching your parents take drugs every weekend, <laughs> which, you know, it's funny for a while. Did that, you know, working those jobs and being in that time, did that kind of make you realize even more you just had to, you know, you had to do your art, you had to do you? There was no point of realization, mm -hmm. you know, like, I guess the thing is, I'm not good. I, I'm not, I, I can't do anything else. You know, it's not like on one sense, it, it, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like there's a perception of if you are doing art for a living, you're in a privileged, privileged position, which is true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, you know, it's also, first of all, you know, there is quite a lot of struggle involved, you know, and second, a lot of these people don't have a choice, you know, like, I don't know if I don't know if I could even hold down a job at Tesco's because I think I would get annoyed having a boss. I think I would be like, and it's not a case of just knuckle down and do it. I think I'm physically incapable of doing it. I think my, you know, there's something in my head that doesn't allow me to fit into that, you know, into that situation and and live, you know, whatever. I don't know what job I would have done if I hadn't, if, you know, I don't know if I hadn't done art or music. I don't know what I would have done. It's, it's funny even asking these questions sometimes because, I mean, like who, you know, that's not really a natural way to live, is it? You don't take stock of, you know, 
no one really takes stock exactly of exactly what they're doing and some people do i mean some people that's the thing it's like i feel like a lot of people that i knew when i was a kid i think they had quite sort of i fo- i always felt like there was something wrong with me in the sense of i didn't know what to do or what mm. i should do or what i could do and and um some people just had it they were on it you know they were like i'm gonna go and work at a hedge fund and uh, i'm sure they're very happy with their lives but i think uh, it's not not necessarily for me i mean you know just finally i don't want to you know hold you any longer but with with the ep with the loud ep i mean you, you you must still have that like that fun excited feeling about it yeah actually yeah uh, definitely i think it's um i think that's the thing that really keeps things going you know i mm-hmm. think i think but this is why i feel like it maybe is different in other bands because i think you know with with the horrors it's almost like it feels like we go away and we work on this thing and it's different to whatever we did before. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, and then there's the element of like revealing it. And, and that bit is exciting because it's like, we never really put something out until we're happy with it or, or, you know, like most of the time, I don't think, you know, I don't think any band can, 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 uh, can be, can, can do, good stuff all the time you know i think there's just like there's always going to be like stronger songs or like weaker ones or it's just part of the thing yeah but you know in terms of like a general like thing that we've got together we're usually really excited about it and and i think uh Great. with 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 the lao ep i think that's definitely the case because it feels like it feels like a new chapter and a new way of doing things and it also feels fresh you know like we could be beginning a new band almost you know when that first single came out, I was pretty shocked. This is really industrial. Yeah. That must have felt exciting. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I mean, it's funny because we sort of like, as we were getting these songs together, we, we were, you know, we, we were thinking, oh yeah, these would be great to play live. But then, you know, the last year people have been listening to music. I'd imagine the kind of music people have been listening to even has been, has been affected. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Brilliant. Well, Faris, it's been really nice to to chat. I, you know, thanks so much for letting me ask you some obtuse questions. No, that's all right. I um, yeah, I I enjoyed talking to you. You you mentioned earlier, you know, when I first mentioned the Lao EP, and I I didn't ask you, but you said something about you know he who should not be named. <laughs> I thought that might come up again. Yeah. So basically, Lao was a working title, um, and it's it, it's a the horror writing process is complicated um because it can come from you know like different people start different ideas and whatever mm, mm. Uh, and i i had a problem with that title but i i learned to live with it as i have learned to live with a lot of other things i see um and you know most of the time you know when i say these things i'm half joking so it's just maybe my voice doesn't give that impression <laughs> Maybe it's up to us to really kind of understand what we think we understand. I guess it is. Like, isn't that always the case? It really is. Do you have that thing? Do you ever have, um, if you're at a party the next day, will you ever feel like, oh, actually, I said that thing and I wish I hadn't said it? Do you get any of that? Mm, that's a good question. That has only, you know what? That only happens if I don't believe what I said. And right. Sometimes. Yeah. I don't think necessarily 
people should take the words that come out of my mouth as my actual opinions. Um, so occasionally, yeah, but I don't know. I just don't really take things that seriously, you know. I just, I just try and pretend that I do. <laughs> I think everyone should have a slice of Larry David in them, where they're just yeah. like, "That's okay. I'm just going to okay. get over it. It's someone else's problem." Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Brilliant. All right. Well, have Faris, have a lovely rest of your day. Have a lovely weekend. It's Friday. Thank you, man. Thanks for talking. So there's Faris from the Horrors. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said, there's just 12 or so books left. If you want to grab one, you can get one at 101parttimejobs.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button. Thank you, Faris, for being up for this chat. Thank you, Lydia, for arranging it. Thank you for listening. Go well. Here's Cox Barra. I've been working all day, got me mate on the side Running around like a blue ass fly I've been working, yeah I've been working all day Got me mate Every blink of me This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.